In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out the twelve to, in his words, gather the lost sheep of Israel. He grants with them the authority to drive out demons and heal the sickness while proclaiming, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, although we weren't casting out any evil spirits or curing leprosy, I'd like to think that the purpose of our mission wasn't that far away from that of the disciples. Sorry, I lost my spot here. To go and tell about the kingdom of heaven. But then Jesus steps it up a notch. He commands the disciples to leave their possessions at home and instead rely on the kindness of others to find places to stay. Taking it even further, Jesus describes to the disciples what they're going to encounter while on their mission. He says this in verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be headed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. All of a sudden, our trip is sounding way less exciting. No matter how much certain people might have deserved it at times, there was no flogging involved at any point during our mission. Unlike the disciples, we weren't forced to rely on strangers to take us in, although I'm sure the church members there would have been more than willing to. I tried to imagine the immense fear some of the twelve must have had when they set off on their journey, and it seemed crazy to me to agree to something like this, knowing full well the danger that might lie ahead. Besides, I had had my own fears about the trip. What if something went wrong with our flights and we ended up stranded in some foreign country? What if there weren't enough kids at city camp to justify our trip? What if the Russians invaded and we all became prisoners of war? Most of these concerns were pretty rational, but still paled in comparison to what Jesus guaranteed the disciples would face. So why were they so willing to put their comfort and well-being on the line in order to spread the word of God? Well, what I believe it came down to are two things. Their love and faith for one another, and their love and faith for Jesus. They knew the risks, but they also knew that the promise Jesus made to them outweighed any pain or suffering they would come across. This was the same motivation that helped me overcome my fears. I had faith in our leaders to keep us on track and in the right place. I had faith in my friends to be there for me when I needed them. And most importantly, I had faith in Jesus, that he would be with our group the entire time, giving us the right words to speak and helping us build lasting relationships in Estonia. When I came back to Canada, I had a new fear. What if I hadn't had that faith? What if I had given in to my worry and my doubt and missed all the incredible moments that you'll hear about today from our group? Out of all the fears I had relating to the trip, this one is by far the scariest, but also the most motivating. Let's say a prayer for the bread. Uh, dear God, I just pray that you won't let fear get in the way of us doing something great, whether that be meeting new people and bringing them to God, or just anything in our daily lives. Uh, Jesus, I just, like, let us know that you are with us at all times, so we don't let fear consume us and keep us from doing great things. say a quick prayer for the cup. Uh, God, I just wanted to take this time to thank you for giving us the opportunity to go to Estonia and to reach people there and to build new relationships and to strengthen old ones. Uh, God, I just pray that you'll be with everyone today when they're speaking about our trip. 
and that they'll do it justice and they'll know that the time that went into the uh, fundraising and just every all the effort was well spent and that people will know that it was worth it. So now I'm going to say a quick prayer for the offering. So the only reason we were able to go to Estonia was because of the generosity of everyone in the congregation, whether that was like direct money through letters and fundraising, whether it was donations like through the garage sale or just buying coffee and stuff in the cafe. All the time and all the money, it was all because of you. And so we're so incredibly grateful for that. And yeah, we can't, there's no words to say how thankful we are. So, say a quick prayer here. Uh, dear God, I just pray that you'll uh, be with everybody here as they give today. Um, I know that everyone in our group is so thankful uh, for the generosity in this congregation uh, that allowed us to go to Estonia and do all the great things that you're going to hear about today. So, yeah, thank you so much. We do indeed have a rich blessing today in that we had this summer several groups who went to different places around the world to do some short-term missions, which just shows the level of service and the attitudes and the hearts and the minds of our people. Another example of that is that Ron and Chris Bailey this week spent at least three full days, and it may have been more than that, but it was at least three full days they spent here at the building doing things in the auditorium. If you've noticed, we don't have the same old baptistry cover. This one is different and new, and I think that's wonderful. They, they spent a whole day getting that ready. The lights in here, if you've noticed, are different. They were different last week. They're different this morning as well from what they were, say, three months ago or two weeks ago or whatever. And they're wonderful. My wife walked in here uh, last week, and I said, oh, you got to see these new lights. And we walked in, and she stood there for a second. She thought, these are fantastic. And then she said, have we always had lights on the sides of the walls? And indeed we have. For the whole time she's been here, it's like Jonathan saying, really, the floor slopes? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Jonathan was here for a year and a half, and he finally realized that the back was higher than the front. So we have people in our church who serve constantly, and I'm just so thankful for Ron and Chris and all the work that they put in in the last little while. Uh, thank you very much. But that's indicative of who we are. And the people who went on short-term mission trips this summer, they are indicative also of the kind of hearts that we have for reaching people with Jesus Christ, and I'm so grateful for that. So we have Melissa Adrian, who went to Greece along with her family. Alan's here as well this morning, and we're just grateful uh, that they had a chance to go and, and do that. Uh, after that, Trevor and Sherry are going to talk about Zambia, because they went and participated in Zambia, and that's near and dear to Robinson, my heart, of course, with Megan. Uh, they went to all the places that we've been to, so that was a it's kind of a neat identification point for us and them as well. Uh, Ashley Redwine went to Estonia and did some things with Let's Start Talking, and then we had the whole group that went to Estonia. So we're going to go in that order this morning. There are some slides. We've got a remote up here, Melissa, for you to use, and you can come, sister.
and tell us about your trip to Greece. Alan, if you're going to come too, that's wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah, the whole family can come. Absolutely. Do you guys want to stand up here? Let's scoot on down. Okay. Well, good morning. (laughs) So this summer, four of our family members were able to go to Greece to help with the refugee families there. This is Alan, my husband, Megan, my daughter, and David, my son. Vaughn got to go with the Estonia youth to do a mission trip there, and we're really proud of him for that. So we started out here in Athens, and then we flew over to the island of Islands, and just three kilometers away from Turkey. And there were refugees there from Syria, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Turkey. They'd make this dangerous and illegal crossing from Turkey in through the dark waters um, to Greece and the EU on the other side where they would get refuge. Okay. So once they were rescued from the waters, they're taken to the main refugee camp called Moria. It's like a prison. It has high concrete walls and segregated, segregated quarters. Some of our team worked there. And then some families are eventually moved to the second refugee camp called Karatepe, which is more like a campground where they live in tents and metal containers for up to 18 months. This is a sign to that refugee camp. Then the community center where we worked uh, was just across the street from the second refugee camp. So this community center is new, and it actually had just opened the week before we had arrived. It's run by a Christian organization called Gateways to Life. So what would happen is um, each day we go out to the street and give invitations to the mothers and children to come over to the community center. So they come with their laundry. And David would... Oops, that's just a picture of inside the center. I have no pictures of the refugees because we weren't allowed to take pictures of them. That's the mural inside. And that's our team. And here's David doing laundry. So he did 26 loads of laundry a day at the highest point. And then Megan would serve tea and uh, cookies to our guests, as well as help in many other ways, wherever it was needed. And then these girls worked alongside us. They're from New Jersey. Isabel would play ukulele and sing songs to the children and do face painting. And then Keisha, the other lady, would do fancy nails on the on the mothers, which they loved. I um, set up a craft table for the kids, and they, they really enjoyed that because they're not in school. And Alan worked outside in the backyard at plus 39 degrees, um, leveling the area and building that retaining wall on the fence. And it was a platform to put garden boxes so they could grow herbs and vegetables for the refugees. So through our actions, we were able to share the love of Jesus to our new friends. Sorry. So one day we drove across the island to uh, this place, and, and it's called the Life Jacket Graveyard. And this is an old boat that the refugees came across on. And these are heaps and piles not good at this. There we go. 
Um, these are heaps of, of 800,000 life jackets um, that are the ones that the refugees have worn as they've crossed the waters. And each one of them represents a story of their life, of the journey that they've been on. And it's quite an eerie place that just calls you to prayer. And uh, so we did. We stopped and prayed for them as they were on their journey to freedom. It was really hard to leave our new friends that we'd made, and we wished that we could bring them home with us. And our experience with them inspired me to write a poem called Home that I wanted to share with you. I'm going home to Canada today. Sadly, in the camp, you will still need to stay. You've come from so very far away, arrived in a rescue boat in the dark bay. You escaped the war in your homeland, walked and walked to evade the Taliban, found your way, did all that you can to make it to Turkey and negotiate a plan. A man will take you across the Aegean Sea for a lot of money that he charges for his fee, an orange life jacket for you and your family. Quickly, quickly, you will all need to flee. Searching for asylum in the town of Mytilene, not sure if you'll be received with grace and mercy. The government has declared you a poor refugee, a whole new life. You're not sure just how to be. Life in the camp is not a real life at all, waiting and waiting until you get the call that your family can move outside the razor wire wall before all of your hopes and dreams crash and fall. Your son almost drowned in the cold water. You fear your daughter will be raped by a soldier. Violence and murder in front of each other led to suicide and post-traumatic stress disorder. Out on a walk, you receive an unexpected invitation. Gateways to life is open to the vulnerable population. Chai and biscuits, TV crafts, and English conversation, all while you wait for your fresh laundry completion. You decide to go out and try out the new opportune place and are greeted with a warm, kind, and friendly face. William and Kylie are filled with Jesus' love and grace. You can hardly believe your good luck in this rare case. With nothing to do and boredom too great, men fighting in the camp with all too much hate, each day you leave at 10 a.m. and try hard not to be late. The drudgery in your container will just have to wait. You have found friendship, kindness, and hope while you are waiting in captivity trying to cope. Your heart is grateful for your sadness's antidote. Your dreams for the future continue to float. One day you will have a home to call all of your own, a place to belong where your family name is known, a beautiful house, a yard, and a community to roam, sitting under a shady tree writing a freedom poem. It tells their story. That's the greater team, so that's all 12 of us. It's like the 12 disciples walking around Greece where Paul once walked. And here we are on the top of the world. When you go to another country and you get to serve God, it's an honor and a privilege, and you do feel like you're on the top of the world. But at the same time, you feel very, very small because the needs are so great and there's only you trying to meet them until you remember that really it's God's, who God who's trying, who is meeting their needs, and, and you're just part of that plan. And so it's a big world with lots of needs and lots of opportunities in other places as well as right here at home in our own community. And, and we just continue to want to serve and, and um, share the good news of Jesus to all those that we meet. And we, and we hope and know that you will also. Thank you.
text. <laughs> He's coming. Okay. So we didn't actually go um, and do mission work per se, but we visited a mission that our church here supports that we support personally. And so really, um, I think this morning, we're just giving you a brief um, update on the work being done in Zambia. So um, it's a little hard to see on the screen here, but uh, that little red dot is Colomo, which is the, the town around which uh, the, the mission works happen in Zambia. Some of the faces will be familiar here. So that's uh, Shepherd and Root Mambwai, who run the, basically administer the work there. They live there. They've been there for, I think, upwards of 20 years. And, and so they're highly involved. And Root drove us around for four or five days, just out into the bush every day, mile after mile. <laughs> um, there are five schools that Zambia Mission Fund uh, supports in this area. So we visited um, four of the five. One of them was actually closed. There had been um, a death, and so there was a funeral being held, so school was shut for a few days. Um, some of them were uh, close, and some were very far. Oops. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is actually the house we stayed in. They've uh, built it recently, and they called it Canaan House. So that was kind of cool. And so any of you who want to go visit the work can expect to stay in very nice accommodations. It was not what we expected when we headed to Zambia. Um, we stayed um, at Seven Fountains Farm, so Canaan House is right there, and we stayed um, and had meals with Wilson and Nancy Ciazillo. So they run um, or live in Tendai House, and they um, are the ones who take in all of the orphan children and really have raised them as their own over the years. And uh, they only have two with them now because really the approach has changed a little bit, and they're very much focused on returning children to um, extended family wherever possible. That's a better outcome for the kids. But they were certainly very warm and loving and took us in. Um, here we're at uh, Nalabumba School. So this is actually where, I don't know whether it was seven or eight years ago, but our congregation fundraised um, and we had funds um, that went towards the building of a school block. And this is where um, uh, Terry and Bob went over and built the school. Uh, so basically, they've expanded the school a lot. They, this, uh, this is the headmaster that's standing with us there in front of the sign. And... Uh, very, you know, very grateful, and they've just all wanted us to express to the congregation how uh, grateful they are for the opportunity to um, build a school, and they've they've added on to it since um, quite a bit. This this is some of the um, the learning going on there. So on the on the wall of every school, actually, the outside wall that um, where we would visit, they would have these really cool um, sort of phonics um, pictures, and they had all these songs that would go along with the pictures, and um, they're doing a great job in actually teaching these kids English when there's not much opportunity for them to um, use English, you know, or to learn it where they are out, you know, so distant from town. But if they're going to have any opportunities in life, they need to have some English skills. Um, just another classroom there. You can see, whoops, it's just moving right along here. Um, is that you, Hope? Are you pushing the button? Stop doing that. <laughs> um, what? Um, so for you, for students in Canada, for any of the kids in the auditorium, I want you to look at how cozy those kids are. They're on benches, snugged right up, nice and close, and they're perfectly happy to do that. So um, just appreciate what you have, because kids learn in all different conditions around the world, and, and it's not always, um, not always comfortable, but they're happy to have it anyway. Um, this is another school we visited that's been um, just in operation for two years. And I just wanted to put this slide up here, because you can see in front... 
they're collecting bricks. Um, they are, the community wants to add on to the school so they can add more grades. And uh, the process is really that the community has to show that initiative that they want um, expansion in the school. It's really at the beginning, too, that they want um, the school in the first place. And so the community is responsible for gathering all the materials that they can possibly provide themselves to show that commitment before the mission fund will um, join in with the work and, and um, help them build their school. There were lots of games and fun along the way. This was uh, Trenton and Cameron thought they were going to play a game of checkers, but it turned out to be a game called draft, which is similar but not the same, and so they got... Uh, soundly defeated because <laughs> they didn't know the rules. <laughs> um, at this, this same school that's new, um, so it's only two years old, we were just so struck by um, the generosity of the people. They're so grateful for, um, for the, the contributions from the mission fund and the commitment to the work, and, and so really grateful to all of you here. And they gave us gifts out of, out of nothing, they gave us these generous gifts. They gave us a rooster and um, some produce from their gardens. And, um, you know, it's totally overwhelming to receive these things when you know that, you know, they have hardly anything to give, but they, they truly have Jesus' love in them. They, you know, they want to give to show their gratefulness. Um, we also got to go to a town called Choma. There's a special school there for kids with disabilities, and uh, we sponsor two kids there. This one is our um, sponsored student, Gertrude, so she's deaf, and we also sponsor a girl named Dorica who's visually impaired. And so it was, it was um, quite a blessing to go there and meet our sponsored kids for the first time and see um, this great situation, actually, surprisingly great situation they're in um, at this special school. And then Seven Fountains um, has its own church that they've built, and this is where we attended church. This is where uh, Brother Trevor got to speak on the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just all the kids surrounded. So they have, um, on the back of the building, there's two classrooms. And so they have grade one and grade two there for the kids that are in the immediate vicinity. And uh, so we got to hang out with them a little bit, too. Um, we visited Colomo High School. And this is where our church here has two sponsored students. And we got to meet with them. So this is Coimant Simakoba. Um, he's sponsored by our church here, and so we met him and brought him your greetings, and um, he expressed his thanks for the sponsorship. There we go. Um, and also Isaac on the, um, on the left there. He's sponsored by our congregation here, so he is your student. And uh, Terry and Muriel uh, sponsored the uh, sponsor Samson there on the right-hand side. Um, that's the end. So thank you um, for the way that you give to this mission. It truly is making a difference in people's lives and bringing Jesus' love to some very disadvantaged kids um, in Zambia. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay. Hi. My name is Ashley Redwine, and I got the incredible opportunity to go to Estonia this summer. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my experience there. So I was there for eight weeks in total. I spent the first two weeks um, helping out the Young Friends teams. So they're our team that we sent from Calgary, as well as a team from Saskatchewan. And this picture is actually just 
We woke up really early to say goodbye to them at the airport. Um, but I originally was planning to go with uh, three other women. And the incredible part about this team was that we all live in different provinces and had only met each other in person one time before going halfway across the world with each other. So um, it could have been a huge disaster. Um, if you've heard about the Estonia trips before, you live in very close quarters with these people for extended periods of time. And with strangers, that can go either way. But honestly, I truly feel that God brought all of us together. It was such a huge blessing to have each and every one of them. Um, where are they? So their names are Selena. Uh, Sam and then Andrea Muirhead was the other person who um, went with us and kind of headed the team and recruited all of us together. So that was amazing. Um, I feel that each of us uh, was able to complement the strengths and weaknesses of the others, and it made for a really easy six weeks in that regard. Um, so what I did was the Let's Start Talking program, which is basically when you offer your doors are open and you offer conversational English lessons to anyone who wants to come and practice. So we had everybody from a three-year-old to a 75-year-old. So a huge range um, that all presented different uh, challenges and um, rewards for our work. But um, we all kind of were blessed with people who we could we could work with in a good way. Um, I wanted to talk to you today about one of my readers specifically and just about a story I have with him that was really meaningful. So this is Vladimir, and Vladimir is a very smart man. He is Russian, and he's lived in Estonia his entire life. He is very proud to be Estonian. Um, every lesson started off first 10 minutes was telling me a little bit about Estonia and some Estonian history. Um, he knows like five languages. He's very fluent in English, so he was purely coming for the conversational practice and for the Bible work. So um, we have these textbooks in Let's Start Talking that we use, and I found out very quickly that he was far beyond uh, the textbooks that we were using. So I brought out my Bible, and we started reading through, and he was very interested in Paul. He loved Paul. So every night I would pull out stories about Paul and come the next day and tell them to him. And we would talk about them. And um, it was really great. But when I was first uh, assigned, Vladimir or Andrea told me to uh, work with him, she said he was very argumentative. So I was like, well, I'm a little argumentative, so this might be interesting. But I was like, I'm ready for this. We can totally do this. So um, I sat down with him, and we had actually, honestly, great conversations about the Bible and about God's Word. And it was so cool to get his perspective because he's lived a completely different life. And um, there was one day in particular that we were not agreeing. And it was fine. We were just talking about it. And I said, well, this is why I think this, and why do you think what you're thinking? And he explained it to me. And then he said, you know, I actually think this is very important. And I said, what's important? And he said that we are not agreeing, because I think that God has made a mosaic of people, and that all of our different perspectives help us learn from one another. 
and help us to see from other people's point of views. And that's what he truly wants out of all of us. And it was really beautiful and really hit me. And it was a really great summary of my entire trip. So, um, yeah, it was a really meaningful experience altogether. And I'm really grateful. So thank you to everybody who supported us through financial support as well as prayers, because it was truly a very incredible experience. So, and that's some of my readers, just so you can see them. They're super cute. Anyway, thank you so much. All right. Um, I'm going to just introduce our youth mission trip to Estonia, um, which Ashley mentioned kind of overlapped with her trip as well. Um, before I do that, I just want to encourage you. Um, I would say, and I'm sure everyone else that's presented here today would say, that it's really hard in like the five or ten minutes that we have to, to really even give you a taste of what happened. Um, and so I encourage you... Talk to us after, okay? Um, the people that were up here presenting, um, myself, um, the Estonia teens who actually, can I have all the teens that went to Estonia stand up right now? Or young adults, or adults. Anyone that went. Talk to any of these people after. Ask them about their experience, because I think um, that's the best way to, to learn about the trip, is, is to ask them questions and hear their personal experiences. You guys can sit down, thank you. Um, also look at the pictures. Um, similar to um, Melissa's situation in Greece, we, we weren't allowed to post pictures of any of the people that we worked with, um, but we can show them to you in person. So look at them now, um, because they're not on the website or anything like that. So, um, Just really quick, I'm going to tell you what the trip was like, and then we're going to have two of our young people come up and just share a little bit of their personal experience. Um, so first of all, usually the first thing we do when we go to Estonia is we work with their church camp. And this year it actually didn't work out um, because there was a, a bit of a scheduling problem where our teens were all still in school while this camp was happening, uh, so they couldn't go. Um, but they had been hoping we were coming, and so they were short a few leaders. And so three, uh, no, four of our um, young men said, we'll go and we'll volunteer to be at camp. And so they went out... Um, and served at camp for a week before the rest of us joined them. Um, and then the rest of us joined them the following Saturday afternoon, or a few on Sunday. Um, and then so by the time we all arrived, there was 19 of us, primarily high school students um, and young adults. Um, we worshipped with the church there, we prepared, and then our first week was spent doing something called city camp. City camp is basically uh, VBS for five days. Uh, and we did it with two age groups. In the afternoon, we would work with kids, and then in the evening, we would work with teens. And so in the afternoons with the kids, um, our teens and young adults um, basically ran the whole thing. They taught lessons, they led crafts, um, they led singing, um, they led games, they did it all. Um, and they did a really good job. And then in the evening, the teens would come, and some of the local... Um, leaders in Estonia would lead the lesson, but our group was still responsible for all the games and activities and being positive participants in the discussions and lessons that happened. 
Um, so that was our first week. Then our second week is when Ashley and the team, um, the Young Friends team from mostly Saskatchewan, joined us. Um, and, and together we did Young Friends for a week, which, again, was conversational English um, with, in this case, uh, with young people, um, kids and teens. Um, the team... The Young Friends team uh, led the discussion, and we again led games and parties. Um, we cooked meals. We fed 40-plus um, people every day. Um, and it was really positive because the people that came had, for the most part, also come the week before. Um, and for the ones that were at camp, many of them had been at camp too. So you get a chance over the course of two or three weeks to really start building some good relationships with people. Um, and to connect with them positively, um, to share with them the good news of the gospel, to be a positive influence in showing what, what it looks like um, to be a Christian community and, and to live out a Christian way of life, and then to help them build relationships with the local church um, so that hopefully, even now that we're gone, that those relationships continue over there and positive things um, continue. So that was the trip. Um, just in a in a really quick nutshell, um, but I want to let you hear some stories. So I'm going to invite Dawson Enns to come on up, and he's going to share his experience. Hi, gang. Um, I like I actually have no smooth transition for this, but I plan to wear the camp T-shirt today, I'm trying to get the brand around. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was there for three weeks through three different programs and it was, uh, there was a, there was a different, uh, experience, like depending on each, uh, each program. And I think, uh, while I don't mean to exclude the rest of the team, I think the most, um, uh, uh, I guess like humbling and enjoyable experience for me was working at the camp and that's because uh i uh last time that we went to estonia i had kind of a buy round where i was in a i was in a cabin with all english speakers and two other counselors and there were only three kids and they were all about my age and so i wasn't really needed for that but uh this time around i was one of two uh leaders and we had five kids all of them spoke Russian and Estonian. Some of them actually just Estonian. And uh, no English. And uh, so the only translator I had was my co-counselor. And we were not always in sync. We could not always be there at the same time because we were both very involved in the camp. So it broke down to this series of hand signals between me and the children. And we kind of, I became a part of the pack. And... Uh, but on a on a very serious note, it was like it was a very surreal experience that uh even despite a language barrier or the uh <laughs> the difficulty to communicate overall uh I was able to form bonds with people over there and it uh it means a lot to them and to me uh that uh that we could do such a thing a lot of those kids um spend their whole year looking forward to that camp or the city camp ensuing 
And so it was, uh, it was really nice being a part of that payoff for them and, uh, and helping out in general. The people of the church over there were very kind, very accommodating for us. There was, uh, no shortage of people to look up to for advice or, uh, some, some friendly, jokingly demeaning comments. And, um, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I guess just a very surreal experience. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, it was a blessed time to be out there. Thanks.